When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate. Get it on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for telling everybody about CarCast. We do appreciate it. Uh, today, we're going to talk about cars, and we're going to talk about military aircraft as well, because yeah. I have thoughts. Uh, Corey Graff is uh, going to come in in a couple of few. He's a military aviation author and curator. He uh, has a book out. And the book is called Southern California's World War II Aircraft. And, uh, you know, it's got a bunch of books. Yes. And uh, it goes uh, hand in hand, part and parcel, because as an early sort of hot rodder, if you want to call me in a 240Z, you know, in the San Fernando Valley in the 80s, a a hot rodder, um, we used to go to a place called uh, Joe Factor. Joe Factor, and there, there's still these places are around. Joe Factor broke up and turned into a bunch of other little places. But um, I like that name. What is it? It was a place you could go in and find military surplus, but aviation military surplus. So you were oh, trying yeah. to get your fuel lines to braided steel and they had all kinds of braided steel lines you know and they had all kinds of weird gauges and all kinds of weird wiring and all kinds of weird um uh, just 
just every every piece of stainless steel bolt and nut and you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're going over there and you're trying to kind of customize your car, you'd go in. They just had bin after bin after bin, and it's like you'd bring stuff up to the counter, and the guy just look at it or sort of weigh it, yeah, or just sort of whatever, what building. and just go, <laughs> I don't know, give me twenty bucks or give me a beer or whatever it was. So you should always walk in with an extra beer. All that building and all that aviation took place out here in Southern California. My my stepdad worked at Lockheed at the Skunk Works out there, you know, right right by uh, Burbank Airport for all those years. Everyone's moved and moved out of town and moved yeah. away, but this is where it all went down. So we'll get into that. And and I love military. You know, when aircraft. I did all my like Air Force ROTC stuff and Civil Air Patrol stuff, like we had a lot of really cool trips to air force bases and places like that and different museums and i love that stuff i love geeking out about that stuff and being even a car kid back in the day you always kind of thought about like putting those kind of gauges in a hot rod or something like that and and like in our rooms just like at our house we'd have some stuff like laying around like you'd have like an old gauge or something well the uh switches and stuff some of the the a few more than a few of my race cars, like the Newman race cars, have that one gauge that is clearly not like the others, if you think about it. And it's not from a car. It's from a cockpit. And I believe that it's there for time on the engine. Because in in, yeah. in the aircraft world... That could be marine as well. It's not... It could be not, hours on the engine. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, it, it, it was... It could be marine, or yes, it could be aeronautical, it could be marine. But, uh, you know, in race car engines are measured in time, just like aircraft versus mileage. Yeah. Doesn't make sense for aircraft, doesn't make sense for, for race cars. So if you look at the interior gauge on, uh, like I said, a Newman 2 plus 2 car, one of those cars, it'll have that gauge. Yeah. I never work? pay any attention to it. I don't think it's hooked <laughs> up that either. Yeah. Uh, it's just time and life. It's just right. it's just a gauge that just exists. So um, so we'll get into that. Um, and I also I've always said that the sweet spot for the aesthetic of the fighter military airplanes was before the computer did everything, and it is the exact same thing with automobiles. If you go look at one of the Lamborghini Miras from the shop circa 1969, 1970. It's swoopy. It's a bar of soap. It's sexy. It's curvy. Yeah. It's all the you things. You sit really low in like kind of like a like a bucket low back seat like you'd see in, a, yeah. in, a, in an old but aircraft. But the shape. The yeah. shape is something that somebody thought would go fast. Yeah. Now they don't think about what would go fast. The computer figures out what would go fast, and then they put it in a wind tunnel. And oftentimes the shape looks like a modern Le Mans car or modern F1 car, and it's not nearly as swoopy and slick and, yeah. and sexy as, as we'd imagine. So w- the, the, the Mira is probably the sexiest car ever made. And the aerodynamics are probably terrible. Huh? It probably has so much lift. Yes. It's it just like, it's, it's terrible, right? But right. it looks great. Right. <laughs> and, and airplanes from, you know, fighter jets from the 60s were the coolest looking ever yeah. as well. And now the ones, it's the same thing. It's like you take a look at the new VET or the new Camaro or the new 
you fill in the blank. Even 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 Ferrari to a certain degree and Lamborghini to a certain degree, very slabby. They're getting away from it now, the slabbiness, yeah. because they realize it just doesn't look it that good. It was a phase. It, it, it kind of came and went. It's a computer thing. And if you take a look at the modern fighter planes, they're very slabby, yeah. too. And they work. They're just not slu- you know, the swoopy and sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> stuff to talk about. Uh, we never really got into the new Lincoln. Was it the black label? The, the black label edition? Yeah, the new Lincoln Continental, which you and I had this conversation about. We would love to see like a really nice $100,000 American luxury sedan. Like, yeah. Like that would be – like we need that. I, I, need I don't that. even – you know, it can be eighty grand, but yeah. it's like I want – I want to live in a world where Lincoln has a really good product. It's it to me. It's like when the Dallas Cowboys hit a rough patch and they go four and twelve for a few seasons. Like ah, this isn't football. We need the Cowboys. You know, they need to be good. Like even if you're not, even if you're not a Cowboys fan, yeah. I want to live in a world where the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants are out there. You know when. When the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants are like sub five hundred for a couple of seasons, it makes football kind of bad. You know, <laughs> you know what the Jacksonville Jaguars beating up on the Dallas Cowboys? Because they're you know? not good. It's just, <laughs> yeah. You want to live not in a, normally good. You want to live in a world. To be good? Yeah, you want to live in a world where Cadillac has a product that yeah. you're interested in, where Lincoln has a product, as well as Ferrari and everyone else, Corvette, whatever. Yeah. But you want those. I don't like it when Lincoln doesn't have anything I would drive. Lincoln, like, used to be the man, right? That's like, what I'm like, saying. That's a cool car. So we picked this one up, and we got a chance to road trip it for hundreds of miles to Willow Springs and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right. So for, we went <laughs> for the Trans Am races and right. We went. Practice s- and we practice went three and, separate times yeah. to Willow Springs. It's about eighty miles out there and back there and back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this car. It turned out I loved it. I it, I loved it as a luxury sedan. Like it's somewhere between like a five series and a seven series in length, but it seemed like there was plenty of room. Loxmana was in the back at one point, yeah. and uh, and this and this black label edition. I think they start at like forty five or forty six thousand. The one we tested was seventy seven thousand, but it had like some kind of leather. It's supposed to be like the softest leather you can get in a car. It had thirty way adjustable seats. Like it, I, I gotta say, massaging and heating and cooling. And there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of things. The, you know, there's a lot of four door cars that your knees are up against it. If I'm in the front seat, yeah, and you got to work it out because if uh, Nick from the other shop or, or Nick from over there or Gary or one of the taller guys is yeah. in the back and I'm in the front, his knees are mashed. This thing, while. The wheelbase, I don't think, is much more than a 5 Series. Yeah, I don't think so. There's a lot of room in the back. And part of it is they took the seats, and instead of making them you know, huge recliner-type seats, they sort of narrowed them down. They made them lean and mean. They look very yeah. European. They even had them uh, concave in the back, so it made for more knee room for whoever's in the back. And uh, it's very European, uh, they they seem to they've they've kept their Lincoln identity yeah. while getting rid of all the negative Lincoln stuff. Thing had a twin turbo four liter six uh, three liter V6. three liter four hundred horsepower. There's a couple engine options. There's uh, 
there's a, a six-cylinder, like a 2.7 turbo, and the three-liter turbo, and it's 400 horsepower. It was all-wheel drive, and it felt quick. Like, it felt quick. It felt comfortable. Uh, even with the 20-inch wheels, like, the 19s would have been a little smoother, but this was nice. But, you know, <laughs> you, you think, how do you what, – what do you even do with 30-way adjustable seats? And then just – a little bit every day. I would just start tweaking it a little bit more, and it kept getting a little bit better. And then when they took the car away from me and I sat in something else, I was like, this car sucks. <laughs> like when you get into something else, you're like, ah. It's nice. Uh, Max Pat, I, now they have a front-wheel drive version yeah. of it, which yeah. I just don't think you want. And there's the four-cylinder, the two-liter, right, the turbo? Uh, yeah. All right. Here's the question, Max Pata. With the all-wheel drive and the three-liter twin-turbo, what is the base? Where does the price start on that? Because that's the part where you want to jump off. With that engine, I believe, and the all-wheel drive and the black label, I think it starts at like 65000 Where does the black label factor in? It's a a package that – it doesn't start below like sixty four thousand when you get into that. But the black label stuff is cool because we talked about it. It's it's a concierge service as well. They'll come and they'll wash your car whenever you want, and yeah. they'll detail it once a year. Yeah. And then if you want to buy a, a Continental or you're thinking about a black label edition one, you don't even need to go to the dealer. Somebody shows up with the briefcase of leather samples and paint samples to your home or office. Nice. And then anytime the car goes in, full schedule maintenance, including wear and tear items. Wow. Which I like because now you can beat on that car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they'll come and pick it up. You don't take it into the dealer. Well, we uh, – It's like a baby Rolls Royce. I got to tell you, it was I, I liked it aesthetically. Uh, the ride was great. The interior was great. I, I like that car a lot. I would happily drive that car. And uh, But and, Max, a pad up. Uh, 2.7 liter starts at 64, and then the 3 liter starts at 74. Oh, 2.7 is making how much horsepower? Uh, 2.7 V6. 368. Uh, um, that's my guess. We drove it. That seems high. 365. Why? Just... Oh, so the 400 is just a little bit more. Yeah, but I think it's got a nice bump in torque. Yeah, because of the displacement. Um, 335. Yeah, uh, so it had to be lower. It couldn't couldn't be just that yeah. much between the two. Uh, that car would be fine with the 335. Yeah. And uh, the now two, it's 2.7. And everybody in the world loves to tune their American cars. I feel like you can, for 500 bucks, you can get your handheld tuner, plug it in, and get 450 out of that uh, four three liter, if you wanted well, to. If it if and it's got a turbo on it or yeah. two turbos on it, always always easier. So uh, that was a really nice uh, nice ride, yeah. and I like that car. Yeah, a lot. As, as a guy in the back seat, it was very very comfortable. Yeah, heated and cooled seats in the back, oh, yeah. right? But you didn't nice. have the massaging seats. No, yeah, we had the massaging yeah, seats. Just to hear you guys get massaged. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, uh, <laughs> Adam took a nap on the way home because yeah. of the massage. The, we get the butt warmers on. He wasn't the, even awake to enjoy it? Uh, no, no. Put me right to sleep. <laughs> That's the point of it, yeah. That and the uh, shot of vodka I did with Burton Racing yeah. after after the race. And but that, uh, that the was, glow of winning. Yeah. That helped as well. <laughs> yeah. little dehydration from being in the car too long. But that was a, that's a nice ride. And... Uh, we got yours was in kind of a I don't know smoky gray or something yeah. what we'd call it but uh, I would I would drive that car for sure it was it was a lot nicer 
than I was expecting it to be. We've driven a few of the Cadillacs, which I like as well, but they've gone such a, a, a the direction of performance. It seems like that mm-hmm. the ones that we've driven fast, but a little cheap on some of the interior pieces. So I like that car for what it is, the Cadillac, its performance. But the Lincoln stepped up. I like the wood. I like the Alcantara. I I think it was the, a cool uh, car. Something I, worth looking at for sure if I you're looking at sedans. And it had like sound canceling speakers in it too. It or did something. have noise cancellation yeah. and it had like 19 speakers. I don't know where you put 19 speakers, but it actually had a really nice sound system in it. And and I I will say that you know I think Cadillac got sucked into this sort of BMW, maybe Porsche, um, sort of horsepower war. Yeah, uh, unnecessary. Uh, we had. Three liter twin turbo, four hundred horsepower. Four hundred, considering considered mid moderate sort of horsepower by today's standards. Yeah. Uh, the car moved just fine. Four four people in the car. Car went along the highway, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. Picked up well. Yeah. Got it. You know, when it's time to put your foot down, got into it. No real reason why you need that extra 175 horsepower except for just to brag right to your friends yeah uh you know better mileage a little less stress on the motor you don't pay for it and, and you know you want to take a that a motor like that or a motor not like that maybe make it a v8 and put a twin turbo on it or something if you'd like to take that motor and massage it and see if you could get another 150 horsepower out of it, that's fine. But we're going to have to tack on $27,000 to the price right, of the yeah. car. I don't see you needing it. And and this is a guy who's an enthusiast. That car yeah. had all the – well, look. It's, you're, a, you're, it's the type of – like you're not buying it for – You're the, not road the racing ultimate, it. Yeah, it's not the performance car. It's the car you want to sit in for four hours as you're going to the track. Right, you know. and you could take that thing uh, up the coast to Laguna Seca, be in- incredibly comfortable and uh, and 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 very yeah. happy with the ride. And again, no complaints from Sonny. Nope. <laughs> and when you need to pass, you can pass. Yeah, you can pass it the moved. Truck. It yeah. scooted. It was comfortable. I liked it a lot. I'm impressed. All right, let's take a break and talk about Audible. Audible dot com, the premier provider of digital audiobooks. These guys. I think they're the only game in town. They're certainly the best. They're the ones I use. Titles from every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. You can uh, play, well, first off, you can play it on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere. Please get smarter next time you take your dog for a walk or learn about the Civil War on a long drive or stuck in traffic. It's the way to go. It's audible. If you're listening to the Adam Carolla show or you're listening to CarCast, this show, you can get a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial and gives you the opportunity to check everything out. So download your free audiobook. Do it today. Go to audibletrial.com slash Carolla. That's audibletrial.com slash Carolla. Get your free trial. Do it now. Audible. All right. Uh, questions, uh, Max Zapata? Yeah, we have a phone call on line three. Line three? There's a phone call. All right. Charles, 45, Virginia. Charles? Hey, Adam. Hey, uh, Matt. Oh, first, thing I have to say you're welcome, Adam. And the reason I say this, <laughs> I'm the guy that took the pictures for you when you were in Richmond. 
And you said to me, you know, uh, hey, I really appreciate it. And I said, no problem. And it bothered me. It's been bothering me ever since then. I really want to say you're welcome because I know how I tick you off. <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 I know. was just saying Charles from Virginia is a tool. No, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. I appreciate that. No, I'll tell you what, t- I'll tell you what ticks me off actually more when I say to people, uh, how are you doing? And they go, I'm okay. I don't like that. It <laughs> yeah. makes me think like, yeah. are they angry? Are they pouty? Is there something wrong? It they, sounds like you need another round. Are they like, waiting uh, some decision from a doctor or what's going on? So Charles, what is your question? Yeah, I'm looking at buying an E39 BMW M5, and I'd just like to know what do you guys think I should be looking for in a car like that? Because from what I've been told, that M stands for multiply when it comes to looking for uh, parts. Oh, and my God. The cost of the parts. Yeah, and th- that's the one that came out in, like, 2000. That's the V8? Yeah, Is yeah that the, the V8, V8 yeah, 400 horsepower. horsepower. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, the I thing do, I like that car. The, I like that car a lot. Doctor Drew had one for a number of years. Uh, stick shift. Um, Good for Drew. The thing about that car, and you're right. If you ever go to the BMW dealer, like the parts counter, and you start looking for a part, and it's like okay, three eighteen, three three twenty three, and they start going down and go down and <laughs> go down. Then they they get to like seven series. Then they get to the M, M car, stuff, yeah. and it's like oh, oh Jesus Christ, yeah. what happened here? Next page. Um, you want to find the nicest version of that car you can find the lowest mileage single owner most taken care of most babied most maintenance i like that car a lot but you better find a very nice version of it and don't be scared to pay a little extra because it'll be the best you know eight grand extra you ever spent in your life yeah yeah, I like that car, and I've had my fair share of BMWs over the years, and and I have sort of a love-hate with them. Uh, you know, I love them when they work. I hate them when they don't, and uh, I'm kind of a uh, – I'm like 50-50 on uh, whether or not they worked, but that oh, car I do like. I like that car a lot, too, that Amola Red is a nice color in that car. And then speaking of BMWs, Mark – Hey, Adam, get it on. What's going on, Mark? Your question is, uh, why doesn't Adam ever talk about BMWs? <laughs> wow. I'm sitting, here, I'm sitting here listening to two back-to-back BMW discussions and, and thinking I've listened. I usually listen to ACS and you and Drew, and uh, I've actually talked with you before, and I think the last time I heard you, Philly was licking your microphone. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's what we wait, call it. This one? I've had them all my life, you know, post-college life, and I'm driving a 2016 535i now. Um, and... Uh, they're, they're fine, but I just never hear anybody really speak as highly of them. You know, they don't seem to make the, uh, you know, the, the guest list at the nice party when they're talking about what great cars are. And so what's, what's the deal? Are they, are they just considered perfumed up, uh, cars without, without anything on the inside or? BMWs? Or, yeah. Um, I, I would assume that a, a lot of the other manufacturers have caught up to BMW. That's what I was going to say. That's what it feels yeah. like to me. BMW was always the benchmark. And, you know, Porsche wasn't even in that game of four doors and performance or anything. And BMW was just the gatekeeper of all performance yeah. sedans. And then everyone else started upping their game. To the, yeah, especially to the, a company like Audi. They get the ribbon for, you know, most improved student 
I right. Like, so you know, I think I, of I've, Audi back in Ferris Bueller days. Yeah. <laughs> so BMW is probably lost some uh, cachet just because Audi and Porsche and everybody else has gone so crazy. BMW inspired yeah. them to basically step their game up. Uh, we love BMWs. I love BMW in race trim. I love them all. I love the M1s and the 2002s and the 3.5 Batmobiles. And I, I, we've I'm always a BMW fan. I think fan. we've always been fans of BMW, you know, more so than some of the other brands, you know. I've had six of them, and this is the first new one I've had. And then this one is the first one where I've really had a very long laundry list of complaints. They've added all these ridiculous bells and whistles. It's kind of like if you've ever been on Microsoft Word and they conveniently change something for you that costs you five minutes to get it back the way you wanted it originally and you wish it just stopped conveniencing you. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about computers, but yes. Um, <laughs> but you no, know what I mean? Like, well, did you do I, that on any cars you drive? Like, it's just like, could you just not do this? Could you just not have this feature? I, I do. a lot easier? I do feel like BMW... You know, took a. I mean, I, they took some weird steps. They they had the i8. I wanted a car that I could plug in and get to work and back in and 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 all yeah. that. I went to go test drive it, and they wouldn't let me test drive it. They just said you have to buy it you or not poor buy it. <laughs> I did, and uh, you know, and then I asked them what the range was on the plug-in. They're like fourteen miles. I was like, <laughs> I can't get to work. They're like, well, go to work and plug it in. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're defeating the purpose <laughs> if I have to go to work and run an extension cord out into the parking lot. And by the way, when you run that extension cord, that 50-footer from yeah. the lobby out to the parking lot and plug that thing in, in three hours, you'll get 0.7 miles. Yeah. Like, the thing, I, I don't know why you come out. I know it's got a gas engine in it. I get it. But yeah. I, I, I want I want to plug in and get 50 miles. I want to get to work and back. You know, and, it, it, it's part of the evolution of, of what they're doing on the technology side, and not just the electric cars or the hybrid cars, but the BMW and Mercedes and Audi and Jag and Lexus, they're all so competitive with all of the electronic doodads in the car now this lane departure warning and blind spot warning and and all kinds like the new seven series has like different fragrances you can like cartridges you can buy and you can like wave your hand in front of the screen now you don't even have to touch it like there's some real like i went to this this thing at their uh the the design place for for bmw and they walked us through just the technology of the car and that was like an hour and a half presentation. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, it, they didn't talk about the engine at all. They maybe are getting away from the ultimate driving machine. All right, one more, then we'll take a break. We'll bring our our guest in, uh, Ken Fifty Phoenix. Hey, hey, hey Adam. Matt. Hey, Matt. Hi. What's going on? Hey, I just uh, changed out a front wheel drive uh, steering boot uh-huh. for the first time in my life. I pulled the axle out and then beat the cl- the knuckle off. And Is that instead a of just CV joint? a new axle. Yeah, and I was questioning. So I'm I'm working on my wife's car, and I'm finding control arms and bushings and things going. And you know, you can buy a fifteen dollar ball joint, but to press it out of a control arm, you got to weigh the the plus and minus of pulling the control arm out, or just pressing it in place, or just buying a new control arm. What do you guys do with these old Datsun suspension? Do you have a press? Your- oh, yeah, we have presses and things to do it and <laughs> yeah. people to do it. So Wait, we've you done guys it here. do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but if you don't have the press, 
Well, they make tools that you can do on the car. You know, they're kind of funky and they're kind of hokey, but they'll get the job done. You know, for, for, you know, for like what you're talking about, you're talking about doing this like once. You're going to do it on your wife's car and you're not going to do it again until years and years later in the next car, the next car or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then she's with some guy who can afford new control arms. Right. Right. Well, no, the question uh, I'm asking is, are the new ones you know they're all Chinese, so now it's like oh. you're buying actually an inferior, yeah, you know, part. And uh, you might as well just buy a Moog and put it in. You know I, what I agree. I might meet in the middle. I might just take it to a, a garage or something with the press. Like, take the, the control arm yeah. off and then say, "Press this in for me and get that, it done," and that's it. Yeah, that's but, what I but would But that do. is the cheaper solution than going out and buying a new control arm if. Unless yes. you were looking to upgrade something, which it doesn't sound like you need. All right, to we're going to take a quick break. Corey Graff is here. Yep. We're going to talk about uh, SoCal's World War II aircraft. All Such right. amazing stuff in this book. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Let me tell you about AMSOIL. AMSOIL, where on pistons can lead to a loss of power. You don't want that. AMSOIL provides 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than the industry standards. I'm going to lay some pretty impressive numbers on you if you're a car guy or gal out there, and I want you to listen. First off, if you want to just check it out, you can go to AMSOIL, that's A-M-S-O-I-L dot com forward slash carcast for more details. Over time, heat causes oil to thicken, which compromises fuel economy. Yeah, see, it doesn't spin as freely. Amsoil stayed 82% under the allowable threshold for oil thickening. So, let me put this in perspective. Amsoil Signature Series synthetic motor oil protected against harmful deposits on turbochargers four times better than Mobile One. Four times better than Mobile One extended performance and... 3.6 times better than Royal Purple. So that's the industry standard, and it's a standard test, and that's how much better that's how much better Amsoil did. So go to amsoil.com slash carcast, get some more details. Great product. Also, if you're going to do the oil, Garage Boss. Oh, yeah, love this gal. Hung out with her in uh, Vegas. She gave me some mints and some sunglasses. I needed them both. Biggest complaint about changing the oil, the cleanup. But what uh, drains from your car doesn't need to end up all over the driveway. No. Use Garage Boss. All those years I used that stupid pan and then I try to fold it and put it into the one-gallon milk jugs and then take those things down to the recycling joint. No moss, man. Garage Boss. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oil oil uh, drain pans. It's a full line of uh, drain pans with uh, no-mess solutions, like uh, disposable tearaway sheets and integrated funnels. Just drain directly into the Garage Boss container. Put it in your trunk and drive to your nearest recycling center. That's it. From the oil pan to the drain pan to the recycling center, it's that easy. Available at Amazon.com. It's Garage Boss, B-O-S-S, Amazon. Com. Go grab one there. We have them at the shop. And who could forget about Geico? Want to save some bucks? Want to do it on your auto insurance? Go to geico.com. 15 minutes. Could be saving 15% or more on your car insurance. So why not? Get a little extra money. Have a little extra something. You can uh, get yourself some Amsoil or some Garage Boss or uh, Bark Box or whatever. Use that extra money for good. Go to geico.com. That's geico.com. 
in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on your car insurance. It is that easy. It is Geico at Geico.com. All right. Well, we're back with Corey Graff. Corey's got a book out. First off, he's a military aviation author and curator. The book, Southern California's World War II Aircraft. I love all this stuff. You can, uh, by the way, it's available on Amazon. You can click through our banner, bookmark us. And, uh, you know, we go out, we do a lot of these events. We, we put the GoPros on the cameras, they fa- on the cars. They fall off the cars. They get run over and destroyed. <laughs> we went through a few of them. This- <laughs> we went oh, through man. a few uh, GoPros. Trans Am race. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, three a solid fly off. It ain't free. So uh, <laughs> support the show, man. Good to see you, Corey. Nice to be here. Thanks. I love all these uh, military aircraft. Um, Some of my favorite are uh, chronicled in this book. Um, For you, what are some of your favorite World War II aircraft? Well, I'm always a a big fan of sort of the blue-collar airplanes. I like the ones that get no credit and they do all the the fighting. I like the the Grumman Hellcat, the naval fighter. Yeah, it's so so – it's so big and thick and burly. It's got like it had a radial engine in it. It did. Didn't it? it had an R twenty eight hundred, a Pratt and Whitney in it. It's, it. it's that thing was just was that thing called the tub? No, that's that a, the jug. You're oh, thinking the P forty seven. Yeah, the jug. Same same engine. Yeah, the one that did. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Black Sheep Squadron. What is that? That's a Corsair. That, oh, that was a Corsair mm-hmm. with the folding wings. Yep, that's right. I'd be scared to fly in combat in a plane with a wing that folded. Folded up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To get like, them if it folded down, then you feel like you could just fall and they stick <laughs> up all the time, right? But if they folded down, I guess it hits the ground, but at least they don't fold underneath you. There's stories of guys actually seeing that there's pins that warn you when the, when the, uh, the wings aren't locked of, of flying with that pin popping up and then being really worried they were going to go into a turn and have that wing fold up on them. I would worry about that. The, uh, that must have happened at some point, right? Somebody. I'd had to. It's impossible. They made so many units. And, uh, most of that stuff was all just done out of SoCal, right? right That's right. Well, you know, the, the sort of the key, the crux to the story is we're talking about 300,000 planes for the Americans during World War II, and about 27% of them were made right here in the Los Angeles and San Diego area. And if you count the airplanes that were designed here but built elsewhere, of course, they had factories all over the place. We're talking about 41% of all the airplanes made during World War II for the Americans came from the SoCal area. Where did they build? I just watched The Aviator the other day, unrelated. But I just <laughs> they, they built them all over. So we've got the big factories. Burbank is Lockheed, of course, and uh, Santa Monica is Douglas, and they're El Segundo and Long Beach as well. Uh, Hawthorne is Northrop. Downey is Volte, and then down in San Diego, Consolidated and Ryan are on that same airfield that's today San Diego International. Uh, some of the stuff that was experimental is almost it, – it, it, it borders on bizarre, and you always wonder – well, it is bizarre, but you always sort of wonder how it made it from the drawing board into – and you know, into an actual prototype. Yeah. Some of the crazy stuff that they were trying to do with vertical takeoff, and and some of the scale of some of the stuff, and some, I, I it was it's sort of mind numbing, and 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 also a little bit confusing when you think about how much it would take. Like it, it's yeah. sort of like for us, it's like the Pontiac Aztec. Like how come <laughs> no one ever saw that? 
in in clay form and went uh, no 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 we're not going to tool up for this yeah. we're not building this but tell us about some of the more experimental stuff well you know it's interesting there are experimental things that happen and and the army seems to have ideas as to where they're going with it a great example would be douglas's b19 we have this like ridiculously huge airplane in the book there's a picture of it over venice with the landing gear down because they didn't trust the landing gear yet but it's one of those airplanes that's so massive you could actually crawl out into the wings and work on the engines while it was flying that sort of thing and Douglas actually really resisted it. They were like, what are we doing here? But the the idea of making a big plane comes back to them probably five years later, and big airplanes like that that are made to carry atomic bombs are a big thing. So the Army was sort of, uh, even though they were asking for something ridiculous, it sort of comes around. How did that uh, compare to the Spruce Goose in terms of the scale and the size? Uh, it's it's a little bit smaller than the Spruce Goose. The Spruce Goose is another great example. Like, hey, let's make a plane all out of spruce and birch and ash and all these things you'd make baseball bats out of and propellers out of and see if we can fly tanks and troops across the Atlantic so that we can avoid the U-boats. And it's 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 kind of an out-there idea. But, of course, with aviation as well as with, with automobiles, you have to kind of keep pushing the limits of what you can do i uh i'm uh i you know the, the p51 mustangs one of the best looking planes the spitfires one of the best looking yeah. planes europe had a had a couple of good ones it's always funny that um it, it it's funny that like uh, uh, aesthetically like russia stuff always looked weird it still looks weird, like cars, like everything aesthetically out of <laughs> yeah, Russia. It's not that MiGs didn't work or whatever they flew in World War II didn't work. It's just they always looked a little weird. When you took a look at the English stuff or the American stuff, it looked cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't, what was that? Is it, is it, is it? We kind of like our intimidation factor, I think. Do you, do you think we, like as Americans, always had a little eye on the aesthetic versus and, and like I said, same with the Germans. Like, you just look at the German uniforms, the German equipment, the, the tanks. Like, everything just looked – you take a look at a Tiger tank and then something out of Russia, and it looks like you're looking at a, you know, Ferrari versus a Camry. Like, yeah, even yeah. if the Camry works better – or they made them in greater the numbers. The German uniforms look like what their food tastes like. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's bland. It's terrible. You know, the, you, you see those <laughs> uniforms. What are you talking about? The German stuff's the best. They're the best it's uniforms. Not, no, it's not the best. Who's the best? Ours are the best. No, the Germans are the best, please. <laughs> they're the stylish. Their they're, they're like Hugo Boss design. Hugo I Boss think. designed yeah, it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And you see that with the airplanes, too. And there's a you can see, as you can with automobiles, too, you can see a, a little bit of sort of the, the society they came from. Uh, we have a, a Messerschmitt, a BF-109 in our collection, and it's gray and angular and super easy to build, super practical, which would you, you'd expect from right. the Germans, but a little bit ugly it looks a little bit like a tie fighter compared to something really beautiful and swoopy like the spitfire yeah the uh the even what was always funny to me is like they're transporty type planes like even the one you know hitler used to get around and they had this like corrugated exterior and these you know uh it'd be like uh a, a top-mounted wing with a couple of struts going up, like looking like yeah, a big yeah. Cessna. The like, engines are kind of cross-eyed. They're yeah, kind the of engines are up. kind of cross-eyed, and, and they don't have a cowl or anything around them. They're sort of hanging out. Like It, it looked like a VW Bug mm -hmm. of an airplane, and our stuff was just 
so much swoopier and cleaner and whatever. It just it looked like it was just. 10 years in advance of what we're talking that's about. right you see a lot of the art deco look and a lot of the airplanes especially douglas airplanes and and lockheed like the constellation was made during world war ii and that's that dolphin looking airplane that's uh really beautiful yeah i did I, a lot of I'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say did a lot of guys hot rod their their planes like i know a lot of them like painted them and did certain things to them and but was there uh were were the pilots or the engineers hot rodding and like during wartime and doing things for more power or more, I don't know, agility or something to it? You definitely do uh, various things. That, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like water injection was a big thing. A lot of the airplanes that came out, like the Hellcat and Corsair that we're talking about, the first versions don't have water injection, but they have what, what they call war emergency power. Like you can go on this where it's, it's kicking water into the cylinders, but only for about five minutes before that engine and eats itself. Right. Yeah, so the, it, it was the kind of thing that y- y- there was sort of government-mandated hot rod happening. There wasn't, uh, w- there wasn't too many uh, in-the-field modifications. Let's take a minute and talk about BarkBox. Delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys picked around a surprise theme for each month. I got this for Philly Cheesesteak, so uh, right now her favorite toy is my sofa. And uh, I don't want her chewing on that anymore. So I got her bark, bark box. And when I say her, I mean him, Philly cheesesteak. I'm thinking of Molly, girl. Oh, I miss that pup. Anyway, you tell them how big your dog is. Mine's uh, Winnebago size. And then you choose a plan. You can do one, six, 12 months. Then bark box, they ship out on the 15th of each month. And the little pup surprise. This is a good gift. And it's the kind of thing that's fun to do. And you get it for a friend or get it. Score some points with your wife. Cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. If your dog doesn't like something, uh, send it back, and they'll send you something new. So how good is that? It's BarkBox. All edible treats are made in the U.S. or Canada. You get a free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Adam. BarkBox.com slash Adam. When you subscribe, you get a free extra month. All right. Back with Corey Graff. I, uh, I, I still... The the radial engine and the this mount of displacement, like what was the displacement on some of those radial engines? Uh, you know, I I'm, I'd have to look, to, but an R twenty eight hundred is like two thousand horsepower, huge eighteen cylinder thing. It's it's a monster, and two thousand horsepower is not you know a hundred horsepower per liter or anything like yeah. that. I mean, they weren't making efficient horsepower; they were making. Just massive displacement. Yeah. We got to look it up, Chris. What's the name of the engine? Uh, uh, Pratt & Whitney R2800. All right. So it's making 2,000 horsepower. That thing was attached to a... A P47 or a Corsair or a Hellcat. It's not a very high RPM engine. No, I mean they could go down pretty low RPM. I mean it was it, as well. You wanted to save fuel, so sometimes you would be really cutting back on the, on the RPM to to get where you're going. How much fuel did they carry? It depended. Like a, a Mustang has got about 325 gallons inside, but you. It's could, not a very big plane. No, it's not a, not a huge plane, and then you could carry uh, drop tanks, seventy uh, fives or one oh eights, or even if you were going a long distance, one. 65 per tank on the side and those 165s are what you see like in the in the salt flats they would right. take those uh big the, yeah, the, the bubbles tanks. and and make them into race cars the uh i'm gonna guess it's at least 20 liters on that uh on that engine and and 
probably more than like 20 yeah later. it's probably not something most people ask so i don't know where you find <laughs> exactly it. like what's the displacement on the well on that it, it'd probably be in liter i don't think I it'd be in cubic inches liters. 46 liters yeah. that's a big that's old a big motor. Mm-hmm. And, motor and uh and it's physically huge it's got to be yes oh yeah. yeah oh you know one thing that people don't really get i i don't think is when you see if you go to the you go to a museum Mm-hmm. And you look at these planes, they're quite a bit bigger than the modern jets or the jets that were in the 70s and the 80s. You know, the fighters, they're much sleeker, much they even some of the stuff, some of the fighter jets or trainer jets and things like that seem almost like not big enough. Like you go, the wingspan looks like it's nine feet. I mean, like yeah. what what's going on? And then you see the jug and the thing is, just, it's huge. Like it's a big piece. You, right. you don't realize how big those those planes physically were, especially the ones with the radial engines. Yeah, I built a lot of models as a kid, and and you know you'd build a model of an Avenger torpedo bomber, and it seemed like it was you know uh, six eight inches long. And then I had a chance to be crawling up into the cockpit of one, and I was like, if I fell off of here, I could kill myself. It's that huge and that high off the ground. It was we a- just went into something. We were at uh, Gordon McCall's. Yeah, event and there was some kind of they like bomber or B8, something. B seventeen uh, out there. It wasn't a twenty nine. I think it was a B seventeen. I, I think I we got think. it. We might have a picture of it, but it was dark when we took the picture. It had the twin boom in the rear. Is that the, oh, that might be a B twenty four or B twenty five. Yeah, could have been a B twenty four. Yeah, we crawled up in that thing, and there's there's not a lot of room in there. There's no. like a guy in the front. He has to crawl. One guy crawls to the back. That's right. It's a it's a pretty good sized plane, but it's not an, it, inside. It's a crazy era that we'll never see again. I mean, when you take guys in P fifty one Mustangs and you have them say, you know, go do this uh, bomber escort, and then on the way back, just look for targets of opportunity. You got some like twenty two year old dude flying a P fifty one Mustang just <laughs> over the tree lines in Germany somewhere and he's like, Oh, there's a there's some cattle and they're <laughs> pulling a cart. I wonder what's under that tarp. I don't know. I better just open <laughs> better up. Just Let's shoot just start it. shooting. Poor cow. <laughs> I mean Shooting trains, shooting yeah. carts. It, 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 could you imagine this world? Or like, hey, youngster, take this crazy machine, this killing machine with these yeah. fifty caliber machine guns on the wings, and just if you see something that looks good on the way back, go ahead and light it up. <laughs> you don't have to ask for permission. <laughs> this is a target of opportunity. We'll see what's in there when they when they when the pilots mark down their kills on the side of the plane they That's put right. planes and cows and trees you know actually and- some of the 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 ninth air force guys who were involved in a lot of that ground attack after d day would have these crazy symbols they would have locomotives and trucks and little goose stepping germans and and sweeps for fighter sweeps they had all sorts of insignia on the side of the airplane that's interesting and yeah there's uh there's always that famous shot of the mustang just going in on that train and just blowing up like like it seems seems like you could take some damage yeah. just flying through what that was but obviously those guys got back to the states and they want to go hot rodding because yeah. you can't tell that 23 year old who's just been uh over strudeldorf over there with his machine gun and his p51 mustang that he's got to just come here and get in a four-door buick and just sort of keep it under the speed limit and 
going in some of those planes, they just look uncomfortable as hell. Oh, yeah. Like, they they're were. just like, we crawl in that bomber and, like, everything's metal. Mm-hmm. And that little, like, leather beanie that you wear as a helmet, like, that thing can't possibly help at all no. other than just hold your headphones on. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I, there's no way that we could get this generation to go do what those guys did. I mean, we were just reading up. On uh, Max Belchowski. Yeah. And he was a ball turret gunner. And uh, <laughs> and he came back to be a hot rodder after that. Then he that. came back to, you know, create old Yeller and do a bunch of engine swaps, you know, get an MG and put a big Buick engine in it and stuff. But, I mean, are you kidding me? Are we going to get these old snowflakes to be ball turret gunners? <laughs> or, or to even just get up in that airplane? I mean, and fly uh, with that kind of flak going off? Right. I mean, it seems un- unthinkable. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know who that next generation is. I guess they're going to be flying drones or something, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the phasing is, is towards drones in a lot of cases, unmanned airplanes, essentially not, not wasting people and aircraft on, on things that you can do remotely. Are you a pilot as well? You know, I, they, they make me fly a desk. I'm, I'm at the museum. I'm writing books. I, I never get the chance to fly. The interesting thing is even if I did have a private pilot's license, the, the pilots that fly our airplanes, which are the hot rods of the sky, yeah. are like air race pilots and ex-combat guys. Do you ever and, go up there with them? Yeah, every once in a while you get a chance to go in some of the airplanes. A lot of them are single-seaters, so you don't get a chance. You just get have to sit watch. on his lap? <laughs> that, you know, the, you, you, or in the, in the baggage compartment in the back. But uh, there, we have a couple of medium bombers and things like that. We actually get a chance to go up and cruise around. How yeah. important is it? It's gonna so be scary. <laughs> if you go talk to uh, if you go talk to Jay Leno, he'll tell you, "Oh, you got to take these cars out. You can't let them sit." Like, right. you know, he'll go, "I don't let any of my cars go to the Peterson Museum because I don't want I don't, I don't want things to sit around for six months. You got to get it out. Yeah. You got to drive it." That's, I imagine the same holds even more so with airplanes. Absolutely. It's the same sort of thing. As, as, uh, as you might imagine, every year the airplane has to get ripped down. There's, a, there's an FAA annual inspection that happens. And in between, we're trying to run them as much as we can. And, and, and we even sort of add in time, like if we want to do an event like Seattle Seafair of like, hey, we need 45 minutes of loiter time just to warm the airplane up and get it out and around because that's totally important. As you said, seals dry up, things go wrong that you don't think are going to, and uh, it's important to keep the airplanes up and, and rolling. They do a lot of testing. How they do a lot of pre-race we testing. Do that. What is uh, – <laughs> you know, they made so many units of these planes back in the height of production, and then – just like the old race cars we're talking about, when they were done with them, they were done with them. They immediately moved on to a F-80 or whatever whatever was powered by a jet engine, and, and nobody needed a P-51 anymore. And so a lot of them just got scrapped, trash, junk. Um, how many like of a P-51 did they produce? Ballpark. And Ball- how many exist today? Ballpark's like 15,000, and we're talking 2% are around uh, still in service. The P-51 is a, a little bit of an interesting example because it was considered valuable enough to bring back. They used it in the Korean Korea. War. Yeah. And it was sort of the 57 Chevy of airplanes. Everybody wanted one. Right. But when you get to something like the P-47, which is a contemporary, we're talking one half of 1%. There's not many of them around anymore. How um, about the rest of the world? How are we doing with the Stukas and the Messerschmitts and, and the Zeros and the... 
we've been to Goodwood and we've we've seen the um, British they stuff. That, they did that air show as well at the yeah. revival. Yeah. Yeah. So. How much? How how's the rest of the world fare? Access stuff is really rare because it was intentionally disposed of in a lot of cases. So um, Japanese stuff got left in the Pacific, and and Chinese scrappers essentially came and and took everything away. Um, so they're they're pretty rare. And as well with Germany, same sort of thing. We're talking about cutting the tails off, cutting the wings off at the end of the war. Right. Um, so there's there's less of those airplanes than there are of, of U.S. airplanes uh, at the moment. So, wow. you know, it's not much of what we got, and there's even less of what they got. Yeah, a lot of the airplanes, that the, the Axis airplanes that are around, particularly in the U.S., were taken for evaluation. They mm-hmm. were intentionally kept intact and, and taken back and test flown. Right. Interesting. Uh, the book is uh, Southern California's World War II Aircraft. It is uh, something you could probably... I'll bring home and look at with and my son. And you got like son, 10 books, though. You've got a uh, bunch of That's right. i got a lot of books. You can look them up at www.coreygraff.com, and you can see all the books I've done. Just some really incredible pictures yeah, and some really incredible machines. Uh, again, yeah, so um, go uh, go to Corey Graff, uh and at dot com and find out what Corey's up to and, and all that. And the uh, Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum as well. You should take your kids out and really sort of take part in this. I, I, I think it's really important. Uh, Corey, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for letting me be here. And until next time, this Adam Crow. Well, I'll tell you guys. Before uh, you can go to you can go to uh, where should they go? They want to go find to carcastshow dot com. Yeah, check find out. out, see all the stuff, and uh, thanks for uh, watching the videos and all that. And uh, check out Shift and Steer. That's uh, Matt's podcast, Corolla One, and uh, sorry, Podcast One and uh, Corolla Digital. The Twenty Four Hour War at Chassis. Two S's and a Y. There's some vintage stuff going on there. So till next time, Sam Corolla for Corey Graff and Matt DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.